This is the LarryandFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and I'm honored to have with me today Kathy Williams, the Hamilton County Clerk. Uh, her first time on one of my podcasts. Kathy, thank you so much for taking time with me today. No problem, Larry. How does that happen that this is the first? I don't know. It's just a happenstance, I guess. There's just so much <laughs> going on in Fishers alone. I have trouble reaching out to the county. Um, yeah, we have too much going on here maybe sometimes. But uh, with the election coming up, and it's not just Fishers, but the entire county and really the nation has got a, an election coming up. We've never really seen an election season like this. I mean, you uh, administered elections before you were elected as county clerk. Have you ever witnessed anything like the general election we're facing now? No, nothing like this. The, the, spring, the spring and into summer for us, um, election time was just an incredible um, series of changes and adaptions and trying to make sure we were uh, um, able to take care of everybody. And so that, that, that whole cycle in the spring um, through June 2nd was, was something I've never seen before. And, you know, a lot of, even though we're back to using most, most of our same laws in regards to election, it's still the volume of election, uh, people who are involved in the election is almost incredible. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that because uh, you just mentioned it. Let's talk more about that in the primary election. Uh, voters did not need an excuse to file an absentee ballot. We essentially had the option of mail-in voting for just about everybody. Now, the general, right. as we get to the general election, and you alluded to this, uh, we go back to the old rules. We have to meet one of several items listed on the absentee ballot. So uh, for the people in, uh, who are listening who may not understand why there is a difference, explain why this is different. Sure. In the primary, um, the governor obviously set lots of different guidelines for us, but with the uh, support of the Secretary of State and the two major parties, and one of those provisions was to do away with um, a reason to vote absentee. Uh, when the Election Commission met this summer, they did not uh, vote again to do that, uh, so it went back to our reasons that we have, which um, I think there's like 12 or 13 of them. And so with that in mind, um, most people fall into one of those categories. Yeah, there are a large number of people who do some. Do you know? I'm going to list them here in a moment. I am curious as to what your latest figures are as best you know them. Do you know how many absentee ballots have been requested? And I assume you're already receiving some. Yes, we we have, um, and this this is every year, you, we have until um, six weeks out. And so that was for us was last Monday, the 14th. And so um, we have between the 14th and the 19th, we sent out 29,000 ballots. And so and to put that into perspective, mm -hmm. four years ago, the last presidential, we only did 11,000 total. Well, that's way more than double, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're on our way to, uh, I, I'm not sure what number we're on our way to. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. No way to. It's you, a lot of work. <laughs> projecting 29K would have been a lot, but now, you, you know, that, that that's, that's quite a bit. So you, there's no way of knowing how many people are going to 
return those. I think that's what that's what you're saying. But there are more applications yeah. out there than before. Right. right? We, we um, in this in the primary, we sent out over uh, forty thousand, just right over forty thousand, and we got a little over thirty five thousand back. Hmm. So, you know, we you get a that's maybe seems like a lot, but you know, I think people changed their mind. It was closer to election day; they felt more comfortable being able to go. Uh, to the polls. And, and so I think some people just changed their mind, but uh, this year, you know, once again, where I think people, <laughs> the, the election wasn't over with until they were st- already talking about applying for the fall. So a lot of people who did it that way liked it. And yeah, I think that's true. And, and uh, let me just, for, so for people listening who haven't looked at an absentee ballot, I'm just going to quickly run through the reasons you can vote absentee. The most Mm -hmm. common one is you expect to be absent from the county on election day. Uh, You're confined to your residence due to illness or injury. Uh, You're caring for an individual confined due to illness or injury. You yourself have one or more disabilities. You're at least 65 years of age. That's where I qualify. Um, have official election duties outside the voting precinct. A lot of people do uh, take on election day, uh, and we'll talk more about that later. Uh, you, let's say you're scheduled to work the entire 12 hours the polls are open. You're unable to vote at polls in person due to a religious holiday. Uh, you're a member of the military or a public safety officer. You're a serious sex offender or you are prepared, I'm sorry, you're prevented from voting due to the unavailability of transportation to the polls. There's one more, and I want to ask you about that, because I think it confuses a lot of people. All those reasons are pretty straightforward. There's another one listed on the ballot that says you're eligible to vote absentee under what's called the fail-safe procedures. Explain what that means. Sure. That is for the people who move within um, the last 30 days of the election and didn't have time to get their voter registration changed. So um, let's say they moved within Hamilton County. You just go back to your old polling place and, um, and vote. The, the tricky ones would be if you moved from Marion to Hamilton County in that last 30 days, there's a separate form that you fill out and then you can uh, I believe just vote for federal offices only. So that would not be a provisional ballot. That would be a, a, a any like any other ballot in that case. Yes, okay. yes, that would. Uh, a lot has been said and written about mail-in ballots, and our absentee system is a mail-in ballot system. So I guess I would ask you, based on on your experience of what you've seen so far in your office, are you confident all the qualified absentee ballots? will be counted in Hamilton County. Yes, and, and we've been working, and, and hopefully in a little bit, you and I will talk about some of the provisions to make sure your ballot counts. Um, you know, there it's nothing new about this election. There, there's been issues in the past where, you know, if people don't properly fill out their ballot, it's probably going to be rejected. Um, and so it's not, you know, anything malicious, or it's just... If you don't sign your ballot, that that was a problem. Um, the federal the federal law did uh, not federal law. The federal courts decided that we no longer could just throw a ballot out with, because the signature was missing without notifying the voter. And so that's a new provision this year. Uh, we had about 500 
of those type of ballots in the spring that either failed to sign, their signatures didn't match their application. We have sometimes the husband and wife will mix up their ballots, they'll sign the wrong one. Um, some of those type of, um, of issues. Um, and now we have a provision where we can try to fix that before election day if we can. So that's the most common reason an absentee ballot might be thrown out in the past for signatures. Are there any other reasons that people need to be careful here about? No, those are really the, the three things that, that seem to hit us the most that um, can be a problem. So if you have an absentee ballot, you have it in your home, you're getting ready to fill it out, what's the deadline to send that in? That ballot has to be to us by uh, November the 3rd at noon. Okay. So you need to think to yourself, okay, I'm going to need to allow, I would at least allow a week to make sure your ballot gets mailed back in time. The last day you can apply is October the 22nd. So that's about, you know, a little bit over a week. Uh, if, you, if you do that, we, we hope that we can turn it around. But we have had issues in the past of ballots that come back the day after. And um, that doesn't, the postmark does not count. It has to be in the office on election day. Have, have you had any discussions with the local postmasters? I know there's been a lot of talk about the post office. Uh, do you think they're ready to handle these? I know they've been working hard. I know the state and secretary of state's been off working with our postal system. We've talked to our post uh, master. We, we know that sometimes it's just as a matter of um, the envelope. We had our envelopes kind of redesigned. Um, if there's anything written below the zip code that can throw it into a different pile when they go through the, the scanners at the post office. So we had some um, like a, form number was on the back bottom. We took that off, put it on the back. So we've tried to do some things that make them, um, you know, to accommodate the postal service as well as, as uh, making sure it follows the law. Well, obviously people are concerned about COVID. It's, it's, it's a concern for a lot of us. So let's say I am a voter out there. I'm not sure I'm, I've read too much in the media. I'm not sure I, trust the post office. That's just my personal opinion. Is there any other legal way to uh, get that ballot into your office other than the postal service? So like, are you saying if I mail you a ballot, is there a way to get it back to us without putting it back in the mail? Correct. Yes. Yeah. You can actually bring the ballot to the judicial center here in Novazil and drop it off. Um, you can bring a ballot for you or anyone that lives in your household. Um, and, um, that ballot, like I said, has to be back in our office by noon on, uh, November the 3rd. And you're in the new building, the judicial center, right across from yes. the old courthouse, right? And okay. our, the election office is on the first floor. Yes. I, it's, it's easy to find that is true. Just look at the signs. Mm -hmm. Uh, you did tell wish TV news, I think it was printed the Hamilton County reporter through their partnership that you had to ask for an extra $30,000 just to process absentee ballots which is amazing that you've had that kind of demand based on the demand you're experiencing now. Do you think you'll have to ask for anything more just to run the election? Or are you in good shape budget wise? No, I, I had to go back last month and I'm probably going to, I'm going back again in October 
um, the number of employees we've had to bring in uh, to process that 29,000. Uh, we, we had uh, two shifts working last week, uh, one during the day and one came in from four to eight uh, or, and, and we just barely got done on Saturday. So we, we pushed it as far as we can. I, you know, I've got girls working overtime, uh, pulling my, some of my staff that works for the courts. Um, they'll work their job in the morning and then in the afternoon they'll come and help us. And so we're, we're, we're using every avenue we can to make sure we get this done. But yeah, I, it's the, the cost of employees, the cost of supplies, um, those things during budget time last year, uh, I don't think anybody foresaw what was going to happen. <laughs> and I assume the county council understands, and they've had no trouble approving this. In, in, when I went in August, they were very supportive. I, you know, like, And I told them then, I probably will be back. The, the, the hard part is, if, especially for payroll purposes, you know, you, you want to make sure you have to have enough money to cover those people that are working. And as we get close to the end of the year, the timeline runs out for, you know, getting your notice and everything to get on the county council's agenda. So I kind of did a little uh, forethinking, trying to make sure I have enough through the end of the year. Uh, any, we're going to talk about early voting in a moment. Before we move to that, anything else that you want to tell the public about uh, the absentee ballot system? I just want to, um, I, I, I brought a, um, ballot card. I was just going to show you here. Um, this is what the card looks like that you'll get. Mm -hmm. And um, you'll also get a list of candidates. I don't know if you can see that very well. well. We're, we're on audio only. I can see it. Oh, though. never mind. Never <laughs> mind. You're not going to see it then. I'm um, sorry. Okay. I'm not. I'm not, you, I'm not you'll get uh, a card. You'll okay. get a card that um, uh, you just take the ballot and transfer the numbers oh. over. And that's what you use um, for voting on the uh, absentee ballot. Um, but then the other thing is make sure you sign that ballot. That's, that is the, the most important thing we're um, making sure people do. Just as a kind of a legal thing that so people understand, if there were to be a decision to change like we like happened in uh, the primary election, that's not just the governor's call. That would be the state uh, election commission that would have to make that decision. And I assume it's too late in the game to make another change. Is that correct? Well, it would be pretty tough. Um, we, you know, I, I think it would be pretty tough now to try to change that, but, you know, we'll adapt to whatever, but, um, I do know there was another court, they, they appealed the decision, um, and um, but I don't think the hearing was until, is until October 10th or something like okay, that. Okay, you're talking so, about the one about signatures and the, the, the federal No, I'm written? talking about the one about no fault. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. That, yes, yes, I'm aware of that lawsuit, but yeah, I don't think there's enough time, and I don't think no. I think they've been denied no. a, an immediate injunction. So yeah, I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. So I, what I'm hearing you say is yes, it could change, but you'd much rather they not at this late date. It would be right. difficult to administer right. that. Okay. That, yeah, that was what was so hard on us in the spring. Mm -hmm. No one had had a chance to plan for that, and you know, you go from at that point in time, we'd only done 4,000 ballots in a primary to sending out 40,000, you know, just to get this card stock and the, and the, for ballots and the envelopes and stuff. I mean, I had to, the, the day they did that, 
I made a call right away and ordered 150,000 ballot cards. Oh my, my gosh. And, yeah. you know, it, it seemed so horrible at the time, but it's like we're using them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask about what may happen uh, around November 3rd and after that, because in the primary election, uh, your office re- uh, did release the next day. And we that that uh, just so people remember, I think at the time we all knew that, but at the time the uh, we uh, the state of Indiana actually delayed that election, that primary election for a month due to COVID. And once it happened in June, your office released what they call unofficial results the day after the election, and it was a few days later when the official results were posted. Now I know this may be difficult, but do the best you can. How do you anticipate? The timeline. There'll be a much larger vote uh, count, to, to, you know, this time than there was uh, in June during the primary. How would you at least estimate the timeline on results, unofficial, official, after the November third election polls are closed? We will. Um, you know, they have not. The Secretary of State has not suggested that we hold over they suggest that we get it done on election day but um physically i'm not sure that's going to be possible we in the spring we um we stayed into we we counted ballots from eight to five and then we took all those people out of the building and then brought the people back in who were going to bring in election night results um so having uh that shift in here. I don't know that we can get all those people in this building, uh, especially if we're still socially distancing and and all that. Um, We will have more people counting during the day than we had in the spring. Um, But it's, you know, it, it, it took us until we got done around noon on Wednesday counting those ballots. So we're talking about 35,000. And then by the time we got everything scanned, it was about three o'clock. So, I mean, basically it took two full work days. Now, would there be such a thing as we bring in a, you know, a night shift? Um, That's a possibility uh, that we bring in, you know, after the polls, after the poll workers are here, you know, maybe nine or 10 o'clock start another shift. That's a possibility, but we have not. Uh, honed in on that just yet. Okay, so your, your your goal is to get it done as quickly as possible uh, with the staff you have, and you may actually add some staff for an overnight count. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. But no decision has been made on that yet? No. Okay, very Nothing, good. We have not gotten any direction that said you have to keep at it until you get done. So you're looking for some state guidance on this as well? Right. Okay, great. Well, I said I'd talk about early voting, and I do want to talk about that because in the past there in downtown Noblesville, uh, the election office has offered uh, early voting. It begins October 6th at the Judicial Center where your office is located right across from the courthouse in downtown Noblesville. But uh, I, I see looking at the schedule, you're also setting up some early voting at the Hamilton County Fairgrounds, not exactly, but close to a lot of the same times you're open at the Judicial Center. Uh, Explain, why did you add the fairgrounds this year? Well, we're actually really excited about that because we think that's going to be a great opportunity. It's a a much easier uh, avenue to get in and out of um, as far as parking. 
and uh, we're we're excited that we ha- will have an opportunity to, you know, have a lot more people vote there. And so we set it up to do to do the same t- uh, 30 days or 29 days, and um, people some people can come down here, and then some people can go out to the fairgrounds. Will it be easier to social distance, you think, with the two uh, different uh, locations? Yes. Or was that part of your yeah. uh, thinking there? Yeah, we we it, it, we used the fairgrounds in the primary. And, I mean, we had that whole big room, that the exhibit hall, and um, we kind of got lost in it. So, uh, but we'll, we'll utilize that. And um, then we'll have um, the regular voting here at the Judicial Center. And I see you're going to have some early voting locations around the county. There are two locations this year in Fishers. Uh, two, yes. two parks buildings will be uh, both Villa Rique and, and and Holland Park Shelter Houses will be uh, the locations uh, starting October 21st. And I, just so if people are listening, I know you listen to various platforms. Go to LarryInFishers.com. When I post this podcast, I'll list all of the times and, and places for early voting. But I'm just curious, we've we've had early voting in Fishers at uh, the City Hall for years. Why the change to the park buildings? Um, they actually asked us to, um, and, and helped us find the two park uh, uh, places to go. And, you know, they've been very accommodating since we uh, started. But um, I think they just felt like uh, it, it was not as adequate a spot anymore and um, asked us to move to the two park facilities. So... We since we want to be good neighbors and good okay, <laughs> stewards so, of their buildings and okay, so so basically Fisher's asked for that change then. Yes, yes, okay. yeah, we did not change it. Okay, very good. I got a question for you, just not directly related to the election, but I just want to talk about this. You served many years in the Indiana General Assembly as a member of the House, representing that Noblesville area. I'm just curious you've really only been gone there for a short time do you miss working with your colleagues there um i do um i miss that i miss some of the the process but um the way that the times have changed just in the last several years i uh um i I think my timing was right when i decided it was a time to give it up and and stay home and do something different but uh no, I, I wouldn't change those 26 years for anything. I, it was a wonderful experience. And not only Novazil, I mean, I represented Fishers for nearly, mm-hmm. probably, well, my first two censuses, they were, I had all of Fishers down to McCordsville. So, oh, okay. yeah, um, so I, I was, I, uh, I was very happy to have all that area as well. Yes. I, I, that kind of, it goes back a few years, but just, I do barely remember that. Um, Yep. What are your best memories of, of serving in the General Assembly? You know, um, I, 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 the one thing I love is when um, somebody, not only did, can uh, legislators come up with ideas, but when citizens come up with an idea um, and, you know, get behind it and we work together and pass a law, whether, you know, it, we had uh, uh, several different types of, of bills in regards to children or, or issues that come up. And, and I, I enjoy that when, when they, it's kind of something developed from grassroots and then makes it way all the way through the process to the governor. I, I think that's really exciting that, that citizens can see that they really can have a difference if they'll work hard at it. Um, I, I do, um, 
I, I always did find the committee process very interesting where you would hear different people's ideas on issues. And, you know, you, you go to the state house and, and generally you have one expertise and mine seemed to be government and, and uh, local government and elections and that kind of stuff. Or if you're an insurance salesman, you know, insurance ideas or a banker, but that's the one thing about the state house. There's so many other topics that you learn about and people that you deal with. And um, I, I enjoyed that too always learning something. <laughs> you know, I never covered the legislature, but the reporters I, I knew that did always said that they just wished them those committee meeting rooms were a little bit bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, now that what's great about it now, you can just sit at home and watch them. <laughs> yeah, you can watch them on video. In those days, you couldn't. Now, today, you could do that. Uh, I've tried to you know, ask as many questions as I could think of uh, within the time that I have about the election. Uh, anything you would like to add as, as election day draws near? Well, the one thing we haven't talked about is in order to vote, you need to be registered. So um, October the 5th is the last day to register. And you can actually go on to, if you have an Indiana driver's license or an ID, you can go on to indianavoters.com. It's a wonderful website if you've never gone on it. It has a lot of election information. But you can register to vote there. You can get an application for absentee voting. You can see who's on your ballot. You can see where your polling place is. So there's a lot of good stuff there on uh, indianavoters.com. That's a good website. I've been on that many times. And I do want to say one thing now that you mentioned that. Uh, people should never forget that if even if you uh, vote a straight ticket with either party, don't stop there because there are school board elections, I think, everywhere uh, in, in this county, uh, in this election cycle. I know here at Hamilton Southeastern, we have uh, three open board seats. Now, open in a sense, we have a couple of incumbents running, but we have three uh, board seats up for election that are at large. You just have to live within your township uh, to compete within that township. And other school boards have a setup, uh, however way they want to locally. Uh, so you do have to go, if you're on a voting machine or absentee ballot, make sure that uh, you do vote in your school board election. Would you advise? That I, and also there are judicial retention questions on there as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. And those would not uh, go with the straight ticket. And then another race that doesn't go on with the straight ticket is county council at large. So when you vote a straight, if, if you vote a straight ticket, you still have to go down and vote for county council at large because they're picking three candidates. And so any races that are vote for more than one is not pulled anymore in a straight ticket. Yeah. And you have so, to, you have to read that. You have to read that ballot pretty carefully, don't you, Kathy? Because uh, yes, it is so do. many. We, yeah, go ahead, please. We put a sign up in the booth to remind you, especially on that county council, because that used to be a part of a straight ticket. And, um, we want to make sure everybody gets their vote on that. So if you're voting in person, use all the screens. If you're voting absentee, read the entire ballot. And, uh, you know, do consider those other offices that are up. It's not just president and governor and on down. It, there are a lot of other offices that, have, offices that affect your local area. And, and uh, it's interesting, the judicial questions, people always ask about that. And that's, I think, under the state constitution, if I remember correctly, that it's an up or down vote. Either you retain the judge or you do not. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just an up and or down vote. 
and, and a lot of people, we get a lot of people calling us and asking us questions about them. And um, you can go on to the Supreme Court's website and they do have like a paragraph or so about each judge, but it, it is hard to find out information, especially on those races. Yeah, judge races have uh, the Bar Association and, and the legal ethics have to come in. So the campaigns are quite different than you might find for, for other offices. So they're a bit restricted in what they say. And that's, I'm not saying it's a good or a right. bad thing. It's just those are the rules of the road. I've, I've been to candidate forums where the judges come and they're pretty measured in what they say. And it's right. because of, 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 of the, the rules in which they have to, to abide by. Well, 30 minutes goes very quickly talking to you, Kathy. I, I do want to <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out of a busy schedule to uh, speak with me and talk to people about the upcoming election. I'll give you one last chance to say anything you want to say before we wrap it up. No, I just, uh, even as hard as it is, I've, I've always uh, been really sad when um, we work so hard and spend so much money on election day and nobody, you know, some of those elections, there's only 10% come and show up. So, you know, we look for good numbers this time. And uh, like I said, it'll be hard work, but it'll be very rewarding. Kathy Williams is the Hamilton County Clerk. She spent many years uh, in the Indiana State General Assembly. She has also been the uh, election administrator for Hamilton County in the past. So, Kathy, once again, thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking to you today. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. Take care.